There has to be some common sense. Yes, sir, they have the car stopped at 10 and branch microbiter. We still don't know who pulled the trigger. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Police Off the Cuff, Real Crime Stories. I'm your host, retired NYPD Sergeant Bill Cannon, with 27 years of service. With me today, straight out of Brooklyn, retired NYPD detective Phil Grimaldi. How you doing today, Phil? I'm doing pretty good, Billy. How about you? You know, good. There's been so much uh, happenings in the last day or so with this case. It's just, it's really, uh, there's so much information, yet there was a lot of information out there that wasn't forthcoming. And I think that had a lot to do with the fact that these police departments didn't seem to have like a press office. So much of the information coming out was second, third, fourth hand, and it wasn't always accurate. There's something called nationally called NIMS, and that stands for National Information Management System. Uh, Excuse me, National Incident Management System. And all of these departments are supposed to use that when there's a major incident. However, I don't think it was used. As a result, we were getting information that was old and not accurate. And I don't know if all the different police departments were, in fact, on the same page. So just to give a little bit of recap, we all know what happened yesterday at about 4.30 in the afternoon. Uh, And we'll go into more of the information of how the information uh, became available. But officers from... um, in Indiana, uh, were given information about a Cadillac, a beige Cadillac, and it was a 2006 Cadillac. And that apparently was the car, it was the third car that Casey and Vicki White had obtained and the third car that they were using. So they were given information on this car, and I believe it was by the manager of the car wash, uh, who doesn't seem like he's getting very much uh, notoriety from this case, His name is James Stinson, and he gave them a lot of great information. In fact, he's the one who produced the photographs early on of uh, Casey White standing in the bay of that car wash, clearly with the tattoos, uh, like a sleeve on his right arm, the big ears, and we had no doubt that that was him. So this information was, it brought the federal marshals to this area, the local police were brought to this area, and it resulted them in picking out that Cadillac in the parking lot of what used to be a Motel 6. They haven't even told us what the name of that motel is now. It used to be a Motel 6. And it turns out- they left the light on, Bill. Yeah, they probably did leave the light. We kept saying that, you know? Yeah, it's funny. But uh, what it turned out that they had booked a room there for 14 days. Right. Now, whether they paid all cash or whether they used a credit card with a different name on it, that information isn't clear either. I'm used to, in these major investigations, I'm used to the NYPD. In fact, I used to write these reports for the police commissioner, and that would be used to debrief the press. So I'm used to times, uh, places, locations, names, all all super accurate. But the information in this case wasn't forthcoming in that way. And whether the law enforcement was holding it back, I assume they were holding some of it back, but... It turns out, all right, so let's just get cut to the chase. So they, they see um, Casey and uh, Vicky 
walking to this 2006 Cadillac. She gets in the driver's side. He gets in the passenger side. And they begin. This was about 4.30 yesterday afternoon. They begin to follow the car. At some point, it becomes a pursuit. Now, it was clear that these um, fugitive enforcement guys, they were all driving these Dodge Ram pickup trucks. There's no way that they were going to take this down gently. They had these big bumpers on the front, and no doubt they they T-boned the 2006 Cadillac, flipped it over, and which, thank God they did that, because I think those actions avoided a shootout. And we learned later that they had four handguns in that car and an AR-15. And Casey White didn't make a statement saying, we were going to shoot it out with you. Well, that's Joe, true do we know? Do we know, because I just uh, wasn't sure, do we know if she was driving the car when they were uh, when they were struck by the uh, marshal? Yes, she was absolutely driving the car. Okay. So we know that they, they struck the car. She apparently was also on uh She was on, on 911. Yeah, with 911. Again, so it shows that they had phones. Did they have boost phones? They didn't. We didn't have any information on that. She was on the phone with 911. So she said, I have a, I have my finger on the trigger of a gun. It's against my head. And boom, she shot and killed herself. And that information didn't come out immediately. Folks in the chat are wondering, oh, did Casey shoot her? Uh you know, from the information we have and the information that he gave to police, and no way would they just go by his testimony since she is a criminal. Yeah, of course. But there's forensic evidence that, you know, that could be stippling against her head, gunshot residue, tattooing, a blowback inside the weapon. All of that will be proven in the autopsy that she, in fact, did commit suicide, if that is, in fact, what occurred. Don't forget, too, Billy, there could have been a close enough pursuit that they could have actually observed. I mean, she was uh, the 911 call hasn't been released. However, they did state that uh, she was threatening to shoot herself, that she had her finger on the trigger. So maybe at the impact, uh, she shot herself. Uh, it could have been observed by the marshals. They could have been in close enough proximity to actually see it. However, when they did extract him from the vehicle, he did make the statement, uh, Casey White, he did say, uh, save my wife. Uh, she shot herself. I didn't do it. He made some type of a statement. I don't know if that's the exact wording, but that's the uh, the gist of it. So uh, he referred to her as his wife. We don't know if they had been married where somewhere along the way, or maybe this was part of the delusional fantasy that they were both living that he felt that she was like a wife to him. But uh, I'm sure we're going to find out all of those details down the line. Uh, it's very unfortunate that, you know, we were calling for the safe return of both of these individuals. I'm very happy that the uh, uh, no civilians were injured, no law enforcement were injured. But it seems like the marshals took a very strong approach to this, and rightfully so, because when they uh, did extract him from the car and they did some uh, – interview of of uh, Casey he did indicate that they had four handguns four nine millimeter handguns they had an AR-15 with them in the in the vehicle and he did indicate that had they come to a, a blockade they would have shot it out with police so again uh, they took a very strong a very aggressive approach to the situation which by all means that's what it called for unfortunately she lost her life by what they're calling a self-inflicted gunshot wound. Um, there's going to be follow-up, I'm sure. Like Billy said, all the all the things he talked about, the blow, pop, blow back inside the firearm, the gunshot residue, whether it's on her hands or not, um, and all of the other factors that uh, come into play with a self-inflicted gunshot wound. So we're going to get some firm answers on that. I think they feel uh, pretty firmly confident that they came out with that 
in the press conference. So I don't think there's going to be uh, a whole lot of question about that. Right away, everybody's going to jump to the conclusion, well, maybe he shot her. What did he have to lose at this point if he shoots her? What was she going to say that he needed to shut her up about? You know, uh, that was he going to say that uh, he was kidnapped? You know, so it's really not uh, relative, I don't think, at this point. But I think all the evidence is going to really point towards the fact that she shot herself. Uh, Jackie and happy with a twist acrylic pause plus. I love that uh, that screen name. Yeah. There were some questions, my apology, but is it on the dispatcher call if I'm pulling the trigger? Well, some folks had asked in the chat, if she was on with 911, she may have just almost been trying to get through 911 to talk to the police, like to back off or whatever. Of that may have been her reason for calling 911, tell them we have guns or tell them whatever, having to back off. But the U.S. Marshals don't back off. And they they saved, I believe they saved a lot of people's lives in taking the act taking the action that they did in fact take. Um including their own lives, Bill. Yeah, I mean they had four handguns in there. And how you know a, a semi-auto can hold up to 16 rounds, 15 in the clip and one in the chamber. So and I'm sure they had plenty of ammo because you know they were on the run. Um they also recovered these four handguns. One AR-15 and twenty-nine thousand dollars in cash. So in essence, uh, they spent sixty-one thousand uh, dollars. Well, we know that they bought at least two cars, and they probably bought them cash. Registration? What about registration? Who registers a car when you're on the run? Yeah, you know, <laughs> they just probably throwing plates on it. But you, you know what, Billy? Think about this. Uh, whether they had a, a lot of rounds or not, they had. Most nine millimeters are high capacity. They run from anywhere from 10 to 16 to, to even 17, 18 rounds in each handgun. So um, I don't think that the marshals were going to wait for them to start shooting at them while there was the pursuit. They terminated the pursuit probably uh, pretty quickly as soon as it became a pursuit, I would think. Uh, again, you're, you're going to terminate it. You're not going to terminate it while there's a lot of traffic around. If you get an open spot, that's the time to terminate it. It sounds like that's what they did. The car rolled over. It went into a ditch. There were no civilian injuries or casualties, which thank God for that. So I think it was a great call on the marshal's part. Uh, listen, it's unfortunate that uh, she lost her life. But again, we talked about it earlier. She had to be held accountable for her actions. Uh, she was obviously you know, uh, not in a good state. I, I don't think it's a stretch to say that she, you know, she had mental issues, psychological issues. Um, I think I said this many times, she was living in a fantasy, delusional and, uh, you know, calling 911 and telling them, Hey, I got a gun to my head and, you know, back off. Uh, there's no backing off at this point. This is somebody that, uh, you know, she's armed, he's armed, a very, very dangerous felon that she broke out of prison, so to speak. She helped him escape. And uh, there was not going to be any negotiation at that point. They needed to terminate it. The only thing that she could have did was call and say, give me instructions on how to surrender. She didn't do that. And uh, unfortunately, uh, whether it was self-inflicted or not, uh, she lost a life. Cindy's rifle, did his head get grazed by the bullet coming out the other side of her head? I heard that on the news channel. Well, I have doubts with that because if she was right-handed and put the gun to the right side of her head, the would bullet would have went the out the way. window side and it wouldn't have went the other, it would have to have been the other way. And if you're right-handed and you shoot yourself in the head, you're going to put the gun to the right side of your head. So I don't know if that's, that's never been confirmed. Uh, he didn't seem like he was, he did go to the hospital, but you got to realize the car was rammed and it flipped over. 
So you would get. He was banged the- around. Yeah, they, they said he had some injuries from the accident. I didn't hear what uh, Cindy put up on the chat that it was a, a graze wound. It could be. It's possible, I guess. But at this point, I don't think it's confirmed one way or the other. No, they've been very uh, closed mouth with a lot of the information that they've put out there. So we don't have uh, anything confirmed at this point. Um, a New York State foil auditor, he can say he had no idea that she was taking him out that day. There was no evidence that shows otherwise. By her killing her, him herself or him killing her, he can claim that he went along. You know, some New York, foil, New York State foil auditor, it doesn't matter. He's facing, he was already doing 75 years. Yeah. Now he's facing a murder charge plus all of these charges. This guy's never going to see the light of day. I mean, it's, I get a laugh at all these news reporters saying, when are they bringing him back to yeah. uh, Lauderdale, Alabama? Like, take it easy, dude. There's no rush. This guy's got 75 years before he even has to be concerned about, you know, he's never getting parole. I mean, what is the rush? What is like, People want to hear all of this you, rushing. You know, me. Billy, don't forget, too. Now, if that was going to be the case where he's going to try and make that claim, well, for 10 days they were on the run. Did she have him at gunpoint for the whole 10 days? He wasn't able to escape. He was walking around that car wash pretty free, and then she came with the Cadillac and picked him up. So we know that that really is not going to be any kind of a defense. That's a laughable story or a defense in this whole situation. And you talked about the owner of the car wash. We really have to credit that gentleman with putting in the tip that made this whole thing come together. And at the end of his interview that we saw that uh, you and I both looked at, what I think it was Brian Hinton, um, he said, see something, say something. 100%. That guy, uh, that guy deserves some type of a proclamation. I hope that there's... Uh, I think he should get the cash reward. I don't know why, you know, first of all, it's not the decision of the officers on the scene. I, I would think that's a political decision. Someone will say, oh, look at the information. The police, of course, will have to write him up and say how valuable the information was that he gave them, which led to blah, 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 blah. But it seems like a lot of the credit, the the local police seem to be swallowing up. And I think that they didn't uh, they didn't get any of the credit without this guy. If this guy didn't give them that information, I don't think they would have had it. But it seems let me play a little bit of the um, press conference. He, 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 just, gave them, he gave them the Cadillac, which no one really knew about the Cadillac. And I think that was of the utmost importance. And let's face it, had they been a, a dime dropped on them and they were in a hotel, the police come through the door, there might have been a wild shootout. I think this was the best case scenario that could have played out in this situation. Absolutely. We were fortunate to have cooperation from law enforcement from Alabama, Mississippi, our U.S. Marshal Task Force, which is uh, comprised of members of the Sheriff's Office, the Indiana State Police, and the Evansville Police Department, and the U.S. Marshal Service. Uh, because of all the resources, we, we received a lot of tips. Uh, we got some good surveillance videos that showed a pickup truck that had been left at a car wash, and then a subsequent vehicle that they took and escaped in from the car wash, which was a Cadillac. We recently found out that they'd been staying at a hotel uh, down the road here. It used to be a Motel 6, and now they could change names. And they had a 14-day stay there. See, they, they give you half information. It used to be a Motel 6. I believe it's changed names. Why don't you tell us the name? Yeah. So that we yeah. know, you know what I mean? It's like they give little half tidbits of information. We were fortunate that during our investigation yesterday, an Evansville police officer 
who was just doing his good diligence of patrolling and, and being smart, noticed the vehicle in the parking lot of the hotel and notified us immediately. So the task force members got together. They drove down there, set up surveillance on the hotel. Soon thereafter, the two suspects exited the hotel and fled out of the hotel parking lot northbound on U.S. Highway 41, turned in at an industry known as Anchor here in Evansville. They went through the parking lot, went through a grass field. The members of the U.S. Task Force basically rammed the vehicle and pushed it into a ditch. And we later found out, had they not done that, the fugitive was going to engage in a shootout with law enforcement. So by our quick thinking, our actions, sometimes people may call that unnecessary action, but that action may have saved many of my deputies and fellow law enforcement officers' lives. And that's why I represent the sheriff's office. I want to bring my people home, and I don't care about the fugitives' lives if it protects my people's lives. And here I commend them for a job well done. They knew they were going up against a dangerous felon, a murderer. And we have photos of the weapons that were located in the vehicle. There were at least four handguns, semi-automatics, nine millimeters. And this is known as AR-15, which shoots a 223 caliber round. So any one of these weapons could have been used to ambush our officers while they were attempting to capture a murder suspect. So I commend them for the quick and aggressive action. It probably saved a lot of chaos by doing quick action there. Once the crashed, the female suspect shot herself. The male suspect gave up when we approached the vehicle. They were both taken out of the vehicle. Uh, Life-saving measures was attempted on the female, but she suffered a grave injury and subsequently died at the hospital last night. Uh, we interviewed the suspect for quite some time. I don't want to get into all the details of that because some of that may be used against him, but we have him presently in our Vanderbilt County Jail. He signed a waiver of extradition to go back to Alabama. I've notified the sheriff there, and they are going to make arrangements to pick the suspect up and return him to the state of Alabama. Due to safety and security measures, we won't be divulging that to you. It won't be a public spectacle. When he leaves, they'll go out a, a hidden exit, and, and it won't be for public display. So we won't divulge the date and time when the Alabama authorities take the prisoner back to Alabama. Once again, I can't shout out enough praise to all the law enforcement here in our community for the hard work that they do. Uh, the task force, I was asked by a member of the media this morning if this was like an odd occurrence, and it's certainly not an odd occurrence. We arrest dangerous felon subjects every single week. We've been involved in multiple shootings in this community. We've shot people we've been shot at. So this is law enforcement. This is today's law enforcement. It's very dangerous occupation. So I hope the public realizes what we do is dangerous and we have to take action to protect ourselves. So each and every one of these 
fine men and women go home to their family and their loved ones and we don't let the criminal win the war. So I, I appreciate you being here. That pretty well wraps up what I have to say. We have multiple members here. If anybody wants to add to what I said, you're welcome to do that. If anybody has questions you want to ask off this, go ahead. Yes, sir. Yeah, we got a photo. Here's, they had about $29,000 left over. Here's a picture of the money that was left in the vehicle that, that, that we counted last night after we inventoried the vehicles. Yes. Now, I don't know anything about the reward money, personally. Yeah, and I don't know what, but that would be something that we'll deal with. Well, you guys heard it. They pulled the car over. Uh, she died of a self-inflicted uh, gunshot wound. He surrendered. Um, it doesn't seem like the uh, they're talking much about the uh, manager of the car wash, who it seems was uh, the hero in this case, but it doesn't seem like anyone is uh, giving him credit for what he did. And I think I find that a little bit disturbing. A lot disturbing that no one's giving him credit because he gave the he spotted that uh f-150 on may 3rd and he reported that and then shortly thereafter i believe he spotted that cadillac so uh it, it's to me it's just a shame that he's not getting the credit that he deserves for um reporting this reporting these cars yeah, Billy, he, he saw the uh, F-150 in the uh, in the bay at the car wash, and then he uh, went into the car and he saw that the keys were there. Uh, he called the local police. They responded. There was no alarm on the car or anything like that. So he uh, in indicated to the owner of the car wash that he should have the car towed. But when he went back and looked at his video surveillance, he saw that the uh, individual uh, appeared to resemble Casey White. And then he also went into other areas of his uh, surveillance system and he saw the Cadillac come and it what looked like uh, Vicky White picking him up. So uh, it seemed like they were trying to throw off investigators. Maybe they had, this is the third car that they had been into. Um, the gold uh, Ford Edge, uh, or I said gold, I guess it was orange or reddish color. I think that might have been a ploy. We uh, kind of went over that in the uh, previous shows that uh, maybe they dumped that car to uh, kind of show that, uh, you know, that they weren't in the area. They that they dumped this car and they wanted to lead police off into another direction. So, but uh, yeah, he was very, very uh, important to the uh you know, to the conclusion of this investigation and conclusion of this case, uh, he, he went on to say, see something, say something. So I thought that was very, very important and good advice. Yeah, let's play a little bit of this with Brian Enton. The morning uh, in Tennessee, we were trying to find uh, the people who discovered um, Vicky and Casey White's getaway car there, the SUV that they started this whole saga with almost two weeks ago. When we got the tip that there was something brewing in, um, in Evansville, Indiana, which is about two and a half hours from where we were in Tennessee, it was believed that Casey and Vicky were spotted here. And then we found out they indeed were at this car wash behind me. They were spotted on surveillance 
uh, camera by the manager here, who's really the reason this entire thing ended today. It ended with the police chase uh, and, and Vicky and Casey White uh, now apprehended. I want to bring in uh, the manager of, of, um, of this car wash, uh, James Stinson. Thanks for being with us, yeah. James. You really are the reason all this came to an end. And this has just been a wild week and a half. Um, tell me what you first spotted here at the car wash. Yeah, first notice on Tuesday, last Tuesday, a truck sticking out of the car wash bay. It's always unusual when one's sticking out. So I come over and looked at it, and I left. So, and this is about 4 in the afternoon on Tuesday, 4.30. So I left. Every time I'd leave and come back, the truck's still there. I leave come back, the truck's still there. Even up late at night, the truck's still there. I go in, go to bed. I get up at six o'clock the next morning to take my granddaughter to school. The truck's still there. So I think I need to investigate. Once I get her to school, she gets out of my truck around 7.30. I'm gonna come back and check it out. I come back, I walk up to the truck. I notice the windows are down. And my first thought is could be this guy from Alabama. He might be in there asleep, passed out, Suicide, whatever. I'm kind of nervous about it. So I looked over in the truck. Nobody's in it. I opened the door. The keys are in the ignition, which I thought was unusual. I tried to start the truck. The truck started right up. So I know there was nothing wrong with the vehicle. So I left. I come back out. I got on my phone. I Googled the local police department's phone number because I didn't want to call 911. So I called them. I said, you need to send an officer out. I got a suspicious vehicle in the car. We'll have one right out. I go back to the back. I'm dumping my trash. He never shows up. I got to go back and pick my daughter up, granddaughter up at 10.30. I get her home. I come back, and my buddy's here. and said, they ain't never showed up. I called him back. I said, uh, police officer never showed up. They said, yeah, it, they either had. He pulled up, and he run the plate. It ain't stolen. So it wasn't stolen. That's what he That's reported. interesting, because that's new. We didn't know that. It was Phil, that's still a half-assed job. He goes up there. He runs the plate. It's not stolen. Oh, I'm off the hook. You know, I got a reason not to do any further investigation. But this guy's telling him all of this information. He can go the extra yard. And they're bullshitting us by saying, oh, it wasn't stolen. So he went, resumed patrol. No, he did a half-assed job, in my opinion. This guy was telling him, look, the guy fitting the description was with this vehicle. And, oh, it's not stolen. So I'm just going to, I'm just going to resume patrol. Well, he sounds like he felt suspicious of uh, this vehicle possibly being linked to uh, Casey White. So that's what he said. Now, if I get there, I'm the patrol officer. I got a car, keys in the car. It's abandoned, so to speak. First thing I'm going to say is, well, do you have video cameras? Let's go take a look and see when this car got here, who it was. And then you might have really, you know, the the, the red flag might have went up real quick if he saw the, uh, the video surveillance. And, you know, it obviously looks like resembles Casey White. Uh, I think it might have been... Uh, a better approach at that point, you know, but uh, this gentleman deserves a lot of credit, obviously. Yeah. So maybe they bought it. Perhaps they bought it. No, no, no. Uh, it could be that. But I I had him get out and he looked inside the car and he said, oh my God, there's a gun lock. There might be a gun in there. No, there ain't no gun. He done the same thing. He stuck his key in it and it started. So he said, I can't help you. It's not reported stolen. So all I, I said, I don't know what to do. I'll call Tri-State and I'll have it told. I can't have it here. So I called Tri-State. They come after Yesterday at 8 o'clock in the evening, the 
U.S. Marshal called me from Alabama. And they asked me, they said, did you have a car towed from your car wash? I said, yes, I did. And I said, it's got to do with that guy from Alabama. He said, yeah, we're pretty sure it is. And I said, where, he said, where do you have it towed to? I said, he said, Christ's sake. And he said, he said it was the report stolen. Phil, it seemed everything is on tape delay. Everything is half-ass information. There's no solid information. So how did they find out about this car? He reported to the police. Did the local police notify the marshals, thinking maybe we better cover our ass in case this is that car? Yeah, it's possible. And then don't forget, too, the marshals, were they were hot on the trail of these two. Perhaps there was some indication through where they purchased the car that they may have given it up. But it sounded like when he got the call from the marshals, they already knew that the car was linked to them. I don't think they were asking. It's more like they were telling. They wanted to know where the car was towed to. So, uh, again, there we don't know what the inside, uh, the case folder would read, uh, you know, what information they had. Maybe the person that sold them the car, you know, saw it on the news. I I've asked a few people about this. A few people heard about it. A few people didn't, even though it was all over the, the media, obviously. But uh, sometimes people aren't paying attention. They're busy with their lives. So maybe um, the person that sold him the car gave up the information. But from what he just said, it does sound like they had the information uh, when they made the call to him that they felt that the car was linked to uh, Casey and Vicky. And you, you spoke and, and what I said, and I told him, I said, that, that police officer told me it wasn't reported stolen. I said, what I'm thinking, they stumbled up on the car with the keys in it. So they just stopped out and took it. They probably don't even know it's gone yet. And that U.S. Marshal said, you're exactly right. That's exactly what happened. And you went back and looked at the surveillance video. You saw Casey and Vicky. You showed me the video earlier of Casey White by the truck in the vehicle bay. Uh, but you apparently, do you also have video of Vicky? I've got video of a woman in a car, a short woman. You can't make out who it is. So that's that famous picture there. And if I roll it a little bit closer... You can see his, his full sleeve of tattoos, of course, which is what was so identifiable. How does it feel to know that you're the one who brought an end to all of this? I don't know if I'm the one that brought an end to that. I'm not. I'm glad it's over and nobody got hurt. That's what I'm thinking. Well, thank you, James. Thank you again. Thanks for it's your good time. to talk with you. Yeah. Uh, you heard from James. Uh, Ruta Bay basically spotted the truck, went back and looked at the surveillance video, uh, realized that it was Casey and Vicki White, called U.S. Marshals, and that is how this whole thing got started here uh, in Evansville, Indiana. We've confirmed uh, with authorities uh, that they've now been apprehended. Uh, Casey White is in good condition. He will eventually be extradited back to Alabama on charges. Vicki White uh, is suffering from a self-inflicted gunshot wound. We believe she shot herself at some point during the car chase. Uh, we're told she is not in good health uh, and she is at the hospital right now. Rudabay. All right. You know, Phil, one of my questions is if this civilian, James Stinson, the manager of the car wash, could go look at the surveillance video and put two and two together, why couldn't the police officer have done that instead of saying, oh, it hasn't been here 48 hours. I can't have it towed. Come on, stop giving bullshit excuses you know you know it could be billy um not that i'm trying to defend the actions of the cop but it may when he ran the plate the alarm if it is a stolen vehicle maybe they clipped that car what with the keys in it 
uh, somewhere, somehow. And if it is a stolen car, the alarm is not transmitted. Don't forget, that's Tuesday. They had been on the run for a few days. They may have stole it within you know, minutes or an hour or two from bringing it to that location. So if the alarm isn't transmitted, he kind of drops the ball and says, look, there's no alarm on the car. It's not stolen. You have to have it towed out of here, blah, blah, blah. Maybe they were putting it there to do an exchange later on. They wanted to hide the car. God only knows. It might have been a backup plan. But uh, it does sound like uh, the marshal seemed pretty certain that that vehicle was tied to them when he made the call to that gentleman that owns the car. Yeah, but Phil, the vehicle was never stolen. They bought that vehicle. I mean, it was probably a few gays. Is, is that established? That's established. Yes, they, they bought that vehicle. It was never. It was never gonna be reported stolen. Okay. So, okay. So, you know, so you can't hang your hat on that. That's why you're called the police, and you're supposed to yeah. do investigations. That was a half-assed investigation, in my opinion, folks. This is police off the cuff, real crime stories. If you're not subscribed to us, please go on our YouTube, hit that subscribe button, give us a thumbs up, ring that bell, and if you want to support us, we have a Patreon with three different levels. And if you want to become part of the police off the cuff, real crime stories family, you can join us on YouTube. You see the folks with the green font in the chat. They're part of our YouTube family. And we have five different levels at that. You know, Phil, I think there's so many, and I, I look, believe me, I do not like to bash law enforcement. I'm not, I think overall they did, they did a fantastic job. However, sometimes when you, you don't go that extra step, you're putting everyone in extra danger because there was some really good information here that if would would have been followed up uh could have ended this earlier and look at the way it ended uh look she, she shot and killed herself that's that's horrible no one wanted that to happen but many people could have been hurt in this if they had gotten into a chance to get a shootout with the federal marshals they never got that chance because of the professionalism and the the actions of the federal marshals. You know, Billy, you think about there's, uh, there's two officers here that uh, one kind of dropped the ball, but the other officer that spotted that car in the Motel 6 parking lot, that was actually key too. Uh, it brought these uh, marshals into the area to do a surveillance. They come out of the hotel. They got in the car. It doesn't sound like it was a very long uh, <clears throat> surveillance or pursuit. It sounds like it's, it's, it seems to me as soon as they started to realize that they were being followed, uh, that they interdicted them and, and uh, you know, made them wipe out and uh, go into that ditch, which is obviously the smart thing. Uh, if you look at the area from the news footage, it doesn't, you know, it's not like by a school or a crowded area. So it was obviously the right move. It was a good call. And, uh, yeah, the one cop may have uh, just gone that little extra step and uh, looked at the video surveillance of when that car was put there, might have given them a, a you know, it was a, a week ago today that that uh, incident happened, or even, uh, I guess it was Wednesday, the car was left there on Tuesday, I guess it was found on Wednesday, but, and then you have the other cop, on the other hand, that he makes a great spot, uh, I think we owe a lot of credit to him as well, that he spotted the vehicle in the parking lot and uh, led to the uh, the conclusion of this incident. Absolutely. Uh, Kalina Matova, I think that leaving the truck in a car wash was major mistake of Casey and Vicky White. If they left it in the Walmart parking lot or in a hotel parking, it'll be a long time before anyone else uh, sees no. the car, I guess is what you yeah. meant to say. Yeah. Uh, that's very possible. You know something? There's so much would, would I, should I, could I, uh, uh, you know, if I would have did this, that would have happened or vice versa. But, you know, we heard early on in this, everyone was saying, oh, she's going to know how to thwart the police because she's in law enforcement herself. I think a lot of the things they did was just by chance and by luck. 
changing the cars up was probably a good move on their part because they couldn't determine what what car they were in at any one particular time. But that also was found out not to be insurmountable by law enforcement. Billy, they had something, well, Casey White had something that most escapees don't have. They had a lot of cash. They had a lot of cash and they were uh, able to uh, access these vehicles and to go check into a hotel. Most of the time when a prisoner escapes, or there's not a lot of uh, resources ready and waiting for that person. So she supplied him with that cash and that resource. The one thing that strikes me, and we talked about his tattoos. We talked about his big ears. We talked about his hulking size. He's on that video in that car wash with a short sleeve shirt on, uh, ears flapping in the wind, and uh, it was <laughs> to uh, to pick up the tattoo on the arm. I, I think that that was, compl- you know, they weren't geniuses, obviously, but they did have steps that they took with these three different vehicles. They rented the hotel room for a two-week period. Why not have a long sleeve shirt on or cover the tattoo up with uh, with gauze bandage or something? I mean, I don't want to give the guy tips, but, you know, really, uh, it wasn't very smart on their point. And when you and I saw that video, we were both of the same opinion. That's him. It wasn't too hard to figure out. That's him, that big tattoo. When you put the two next to one another, it was like, there it is. That's yep, him. Absolutely. That's Casey White. This is a little video from Ashley Banfield. Historically, they were looking at that trusted circle of friends, doing what fugitive investigators do well, uh, and putting that puzzle together and connecting the dots. But uh, when they got onto this and, and responded, uh, they, you know, they knew about the Cadillac, an older model Cadillac. They canvassed the area uh, and they found the car and they set up on the car. They, you know, they set up a perimeter and they were watching that thing. And yeah, saw her coming out. And uh, I believe she was in the passenger seat and he was driving. Uh, but then they get into that car chase. Yes. We've been trying to figure that one out, Lenny. We've been trying to figure out if she was driving or if he was driving. Um, But that, I mean, do you know for sure whether, whether he was actually driving? You know, it was reported in the press conference by the local sheriff that she was driving. So he may be saying this, uh, this may be way before the fact, but it was reported again by the local sheriff that she was in the driver's seat. Driving at this point? The word I got was that he was driving. Again, it's not confirmed, uh, but that's what I'm hearing from the folks that were uh, downrange doing doing the job. Here's the big thing. Um, We only have a very little description about what happened when the officers approached that wreck. Uh, The two fugitives are still inside. Vicky is shot and bleeding, and Casey is injured. And the U.S. Marshals who were there only reported one thing, and that is that he came out and he said, my wife shot herself. And I didn't do it. Is there anything more you can add to that description? Bill, we lost the screen. Bill, you there? Did, you know, did he take on any additional gunfire after she shot herself? Is there anything more you know? Well, I mean, these are all great questions. I can't confirm or deny any of the, anything you were saying uh, right now, but. Uh, you got to, you know, and I'm sure everyone realizes that you're talking about a, a guy that, uh, you know, he's already. Folks, as you could see, that's the Cadillac that's lying on its side. So uh, one of the um, pickup trucks with the heavy duty front bumper T-boned that car and flipped it over into that ravine. So that's how that's what you're seeing the car right now, which was outstanding work, tactical driving to be able to do that. Uh, an unbelievable job doing a life sentence he was looking at a death penalty if found guilty on this other case you know what are they going to charge him with escape he didn't care and my concern was yeah was it going to be suicide by cop 
Uh, was Vicky going to become a hostage? There was a lot of things and and that go through these investigators' minds when when uh, especially when you're in a car chase. I mean, things happen very quickly. So, you know, it's the old it's the old adage: muscle memory. I mean, you revert back to your training. You're in a car pursuit. It's a felony car stop. The car flipped over. They approached it with extreme caution. Um, didn't know if they were armed. Uh, did they hear yeah. the gunshots? I don't know. I don't know. Uh, so, Lenny, the reason were. I'm so keyed up on who was driving, the devil's in the details here, because the first thing he says when he gets out is, my wife shot herself. I didn't do it, which immediately makes me think, I think you did, because that wouldn't be the first thing you would think of. You would try to run or you'd say, I didn't do it. I wasn't driving or, or something. But forensics will prove if this was a self-inflicted gunshot. It's very early to just make that pronouncement. And if they were both jumbled around and it's hard to determine who was sitting where in the car, uh, that will be tricky. But if she was in the driver's seat and she's shot in the left-hand side, then she might have done it, probably did it herself. If she shot on the right-hand side, he very well might have shot her dead, which would be not felony murder. That would be first. You know, she said it exactly in the reverse. She yeah. said it exactly wrong. If she was in the driver's seat and shot herself with her right hand to the right side of her head, then the round might go through her head and out the window, out the uh, driver's side window. If she was sitting in the passenger seat and shot herself, and then possibly he could have been grazed. But we were told by the local sheriff that she was driving. Now, look, it's, it, if this information comes to be uh, incorrect later on, but that's what we were told. We can only go with the information we're told. Right. First, intentional murder as well as felony murder. So those details are really important. And we're not getting any more resolution about this potential forensics investigation on whether she really did shoot herself or whether he did it so there wouldn't be an additional witnesses. They're going to have answers to all those questions, Ashley. I mean, you know, what do they say? A dead man tells no tales. I mean, you know, she probably would have gave up the candy store uh, once she was interviewed and, and uh, historically what they did, how they got out, what they planned, what their plan was. I mean, she obviously orchestrated everything. Uh, plan didn't quite work out the way uh, she wanted it to. But, you know, what were they thinking? Where were they going? What were they doing? Uh, you know, they ended up a couple hundred miles north of the jail, uh, ditched one car, had mechanical problems, stole another car. Uh, and then they end up in this Cadillac. So, hey, my, my yeah, hand's off well, to James. James did a great job. And, uh, uh, you know, the public no remained kidding. vigilant. And that was important. And you guys, too. Lenny I mean, social DePaul. media was fired up. It was great. I think, you know, they were on TV a lot, and that helps. And, and you know, video surveillance nowadays helps a lot, too. Lenny DePaul, thank you so much for your wow. for your help tonight. And, you you know, Lenny just alluded to it. Uh, a lot of questions that we would have had for, for Vicki White. So Phil is still, there is of course still lots of questions that aren't answered because first of all, this afternoon was the autopsy. So the pathologist and probably the investigators know the answers to these questions right now. However, we do not. And it was, as I said to our folks in the chat, our folks listening, it was reported that she was driving. Now, uh, if they change that, it's news to us, but that's what was reported to the sheriff on the scene that she was driving and he was in the passenger seat. It would make sense that he might be in the passenger seat since he's the guy who said he was going to go down in a blaze of glory. Well, don't uh, forget too, Billy, he probably doesn't have a driver's license <laughs> handy. And the chances of her, if they were to get pulled over, uh, you know, to show some a driver's license and, and, you know, maybe a ticket's written or whatever, I think that that would be a more likely scenario for them. I don't think he wants to be driving too much. But again, there's a lot to be done here. Where were they going? 
What did they do for the 10 days that they were out and that hotel room that they were in? I want to go in that hotel room and take it apart and find out how are they getting food? Well, they aided in this escape. You know what I mean? There might be other people that were involved in this that need to be brought to justice. That's another thing that has to be looked at. Who else was in on this? Was it just Vicky White and and uh, Casey White, or were there other people uh, aiding them? Uh, so, I saw. Well, we also to- say in any investigation, people think like in a homicide case, you make the arrest. Oh, it's over. No, it's no. just begun. Now you got to put the case together. You got to cross the T's, dot the I's. You got to get all the truth out. There's nothing that you left unturned. Maiden 86 in the chat says she was driving according to the radio chatter. So, yeah. again, and I think the local the local sheriff also said that she was driving. Jody H., I wonder if any of the guns were purchased illegally or if she had them all from before. I think that they were her guns. Yeah, it's, it sounds like I don't think it's a difficult thing for a correction officer with her time on the job to, uh, you know, attain guns like that. I don't know what the gun laws are in in, uh, in Alabama, but, uh, yeah, it's they're, they're probably uh, legitimate guns. But, uh, you know, yeah, there's a lot of work to be done here, Billy, because um, why did they pop out in the middle of the day? You would think if they were really going to be methodical about, you know, trying to stay on the lamb. They'd be making movements at night, not during the day, unless they wanted to try and blend in, maybe, or they were just leaving because they thought that the heat was uh, was on and they were gonna, you know, go to another location. But all those questions will probably be answered in the days uh, moving forward. I'm sure the investigators. Oh, you know, Phil, there's someone in the chat that says I'm notorious for giving uh, bad info. Uh, It's called Hotel 41. Gee, dude, that's so important. Motel Six or Hotel 41. They, I don't think they said that till much later in the investigation. If you watch the press conference, he, the, the, chief, the chief sheriff there said it used to be a Motel 6. He never said what the name of it was. So that must have been said in some other report. Sorry you're so uh, upset by that, Jimmy Tin Lynn Mass. <laughs> hey, listen, sometimes when these things are liquid, we might uh, you know, slip up a little bit here and there. But uh, for the most part, we try to stay to the facts. And if something's reported uh, by one of the major news outlets, we'll go with it because it's, it's, uh, you know, kind of unconfirmed, but if they're reporting it or several new agent, uh, several news outlets are reporting stuff, we try to, you know, put that out there. And then a lot of times we'll put it out with caution too. You know, we get te- text messages during live broadcasts sometimes about different uh, things related to the case that we're profiling. And, uh, you know, we'll be cautious about saying those things, but, uh, Again, you know, uh, it's Motel 41. It used to be Motel 6. But when I watched that Pred conference, I didn't hear it either, Billy. So he did say it used to be a Motel 6. And he said right. that they changed the name. Well, Phil, you know, as you know, most of accurate information in these cases comes from the police. But they didn't have any time to get this information out. So people just, you know, it goes out there haphazardly. It's almost like playing telephone. Phil, let's take a quick commercial break here. Joe Murray, attorney at law. Have you found yourself in a jam? Are you in need of legal counsel in the New York area? Do you need a victim's advocate? Well, Joe Murray is your man. He's not only an experienced trial attorney, he's also a retired 15-year member of the NYPD. He literally knows both sides of defense. His website is jmurray-law.com. His telephone number is 646-838-1702. Or you can email Joe at joe at jmurray-law.com. Looking for a vacation oasis? The Comfort Inn Oceanside in sunny Deerfield Beach, Florida has you covered. Take a dip in the outdoor heated pool with a water slide for the kids. Have a cocktail poolside or relax in the Oasis Courtyard Lounge. Just a short walk to the best restaurants and the Deerfield Beach International Fishing Pier. 
Soak up the sun, swim in the pristine blue ocean, or stroll along the famous beach. Maybe enjoy a sunset from a beachside restaurant. Guests enjoy a complimentary breakfast and fresh brewed coffee 24-7. If you mention police off the cuff at booking, you'll receive a 20% discount. That's at booking a 20% discount. So book your stay today by calling 954-428-0650. John Beattie Law, www.jbeattielaw.com. John Beattie is a renowned personal injury attorney. He's also retired as a decorated NYPD sergeant. John comes from a proud NYPD and FDNY family. He was an active sergeant in Brooklyn North and supervised in the legal bureau. John is a proud member of the Honor Legion and the Blue Knights. John Beattie litigates across the country for seriously injured victims and has helped recover over $200 million for grieving families. Call John now for a free consultation. John Beatty, 917-797-9520. That's John Beatty Law, www.jbeattylaw.com. So, Phil, I, I mean, from here, you know, there's still a lot of investigation to do. There's a lot of questions as to uh, what happened. As you could see, there's uncertainty now, even with some of the facts being reported by the media. And I think that the law enforcement has to... Um, get the accurate facts out there uh, so that uh, people know um, what's going on. He's already um, decided to be um, brought back to Alabama. He waived extradition. Extradition. So he knows he wants to be in his uh, environment that he's been in before. And maybe that's, you know, he's not going to, where's he going? Where's he going? He's going to make things hard for himself. Just, you know, go back and face the music. He's got no choice. No, no. And you know, and the thing is he was, he's facing, um, he was already doing 75 years. So how much more, how many more years do you have on this earth? You know, and again, if, if he did um, commit that murder, he definitely deserves to be tried and charged. And uh, if he did it, found guilty. That's a capital uh, murder they were talking about too, Billy. So he could be facing the death penalty on that. And then they said there was another murder that was ruled a suicide back, I guess it was 2000, I forget what it was, 2011 or 2000, somewhere around there. But uh, they're looking at him for that murder as well. Well, it's labeled a suicide. It was a self-inflicted gunshot wound with a shotgun, which sounds a little bit strange to begin with. So he's looking at that. And then he has this other capital murder. So there are several things that are going to, uh, and he's going to get hit with all the charges on, on you know, escape and, whatever they did uh, uh you know in this uh, in this particular case so uh yeah he, he's not going to ever see the light of day and i'm sure his security is going to be maximum from this point forward made in 86 i like i like that uh, joke the difference between motel 41 and motel 6 is 35 dollars <laughs> i like that made in i like that too I, I don't i i don't like to you know lose our sense of humor here and that that's pretty funny uh, yeah, I never knew that Motel 6 had a, a stellar reputation as a high-end uh, hotel, that's for sure. It's uh, very coincidental how we were kidding around about Motel 6, and there you go, it was a Motel 6, you know. But uh, Yeah. Tracy Laster, they bought the F-150 and the Cadillac. Yeah, and I, yeah. I will say, I think early on, there was a Ford F-150 stolen in uh, in Tennessee that was near where they dumped that Ford. Uh, right. And we had uh, made the connection that we thought that that was, and we were wrong, that that was the car that they were driving. However, it turns out that the Ford F-150 that they had, they had, in fact, purchased it. I guess that's that's Southern car purchase. Just buy the car, use the person that owns the car's plates, no insurance, no registration, just drive it off the 
drive it off the lot. <laughs> well, you know, they, they have these temporary plates now uh, here in the Northeast. If you're New York, New Jersey, they'll uh, put a temporary tag on for you. You know, when you walk in with cash, that dealer is selling you that car. He's getting you out the door one way or the other, you know? So uh, I don't know what, uh, what the, you know, in Tennessee, what the uh, motor vehicle laws are, but a lot of times you say, listen, here's the cash. I need to be out the car today, out the door today with the car. So they'll make it work a lot of times too, especially when they see cash, you know? Catherine, 1967, she trusted her hubby that much that she had a gun in her hands while driving and a pistol in her lap, too. Catherine, I don't know if that's in fact true, but, uh, I mean, you know, they're on the run. They're fugitives. Uh, she may have had that. She obviously had a gun in her hand because she committed suicide. Uh, so they, they also showed pictures of her gun belt. She had a taser, uh, which is uh, something that will incapacitate you, you know, um, momentarily so yeah and, and she probably had a couple of extra clips for the uh, nine millimeters so they were you know they were ready for battle let's just uh, thank god that it didn't turn to that she lost a life that's unfortunate i feel you know bad for her family and all but uh you know thank god nobody else was injured let's hope along the way that they didn't in injure anybody or hurt anybody or kill anybody that we don't know about yet but i i think it's safe to say that they were uh you know, they were like in hiding in this hotel and it looks like, uh, you know, the only person that was injured was him and she lost her life by self-inflicted gunshot wound. So that's uh, not the best outcome, but it's the outcome that I like that no law enforcement or civilian casualties. Yeah. I mean, some of these pictures you see on the screen is uh, they uh, produced this picture of Howard Brown hair of what she would have looked like with Brown hair. It's amazing that they were even able to stay on the lamb for as long as they did because they were pretty identifiable. I don't know if they stayed in their room 20 out of 24 hours or 20, you know, I don't know. How did they go out? Did she go out food shopping? Where did they get their food? There's questions that, that remain. Uh, I would think that uh, investigators will also have to go through that uh, hotel room and uh, do a crime scene on their room Absolutely. and see, see what else they can recover. Uh, Billy, one other thing, the the uh, vehicle, the F-150, I forgot to mention this before, I just thought of it. There was a uh, a gun lock in it. That's another reason that the officer should have went that extra mile and looked at the video to see who it was. And, you know, I guess guns might be uh, prevalent in that area. I don't know for sure. But uh, you see a gun lock, you got a pickup truck, the key's in it. He's thinking it might be uh, this Casey White. They, they should have went the extra mile for sure. Yeah, Donald Campbell, they recovered four handguns and um – one, uh, it was, I think it was an AR-15 semi-auto. It fires two twenty-three and two other. I didn't know if they had two other long guns. You could be right, Donald Campbell. That picture they showed in the press conference wasn't that clear. Suman Shri, wow, great point, Detective Phil. We don't know if they hurt anyone along the way. You never thought of that. Yeah, it's a, it's a possibility. You know, dead men don't talk. They could have killed somebody along the way. That Listen, we let's look at this. When the vehicle allegedly broke down, the first vehicle, the Ford Edge, did they go into a location and harm someone to hide out for that afternoon? Let's hope not. But that's possible. And all of these things are going to be looked at. And that's the job now of the investigators. They have to figure out the best they can what their movements were from Last well, two Friday ago afternoon when they left that jail or morning, whatever it was, until yesterday when they were uh, apprehended. They really want to have uh, as much of their movements as possible. Uh, there's video surveillance in most locations that they could, uh, if they went into a 7-Eleven or a place to buy food. So they're going to probably put that all together. It's going to be a painstaking investigation, but they'll get it done, I'm sure. 
Yeah, facts matter, Phil. They're taking umbrage at you saying, um, I guess you what? may have said clip. I said the magazines, clip. Phil, extra magazines. Okay. Okay. You know, we refer to places in New York City that are extra dangerous. We say, oh, that's a two-clip location. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. We call it clips in law enforcement. The proper name is magazine. I stand corrected on that Of one. course, of course. But we don't always say, you know, tomato, tomato. What, uh, yeah. You know, we don't always- Or we go into you. our law enforcement and our jargon, our police jargon sometimes, which uh, that's what that was. Oh, someone in the chat had asked, what is a gun lock for? A gun lock is to go into the trigger guard to prevent the gun from firing. It's a safety device. Uh, that would probably be something that law enforcement would have to make sure that no one uh, got to their guns, that uh, like a young kid or something, it would prevent the gun yeah, from yeah, firing. Gun locks go into the trigger area, like uh, Bill just said, and you lock it, and uh, you can't get your finger in there to pull the trigger. So if you have a loaded firearm and you keep it someplace, uh, someone finds it a child, that's usually uh, the most uh, safest way to, to to safeguard a gun. You put that lock in there, and obviously to lock it away as well. But that's what those uh, gun locks are used for. Absolutely. Folks, this is Police Off the Cuff, Real Crime Stories. If you like this channel from a law enforcement perspective, go on our YouTube, hit that subscribe button, ring that bell, ring my bell, ring my bell, and give us a thumbs up. Thumbs up. And if you want to join our uh, Patreon, we have three different levels and five different levels we have on our YouTube. You can become part of the Police Off the Cuff YouTube family. So, Phil, where do we go? What do we go from here? Obviously, we'll be waiting tomorrow for the autopsy results. If, in fact, they come out that quickly, they don't always uh, have them out that quickly. Yeah, they sometimes will hang the hat and say, oh, we're going to wait for the toxicology, even though I don't think in this case that really plays into it too much. Uh, one of the things also that came out of the press conference, many people were asking, did they find any drugs in the room or in the car? And so far... Uh, as I could tell, there was no reports of any drugs in the room or in the vehicle. Yeah, uh, going forward, I'm sure that uh, we're going to need a cause of death <clears throat> and a manner of death from the medical examiner's office. Uh, there's going to be statements from the investigators that were in pursuit to say what they observed, and that would be given to the medical examiner. And if there's indications of a self-inflicted gunshot wound, we we uh, we stated all the things that we'd be looking for: gunshot residue on the hand, stippling from the uh, from the bullet wound, uh, blowback into the barrel of uh, human flesh and blood, and all those different things. Uh, that's going to be one of the things that'll tidy up that part of it, whether or not it was a self-inflicted gunshot wound, or if he, if he in fact fired the weapon. Uh, that killed uh, Vicky Smith, uh, Vicky White. Uh, again, that hotel room. Uh, they're going to be looking sure, uh, taking that apart piece by piece. Um, what cell phones they were using? Now there was a cell phone present in the vehicle. Uh, was it a burner phone? They're going to go into that specific phone and see all the calls that were made, whatever searches were done, all of the information on that phone. That's going to be very important. And again, uh, if the cell phone is turned on, that's an active. Uh, navigational uh, map. It'll give a, a location of all the different places they went. Now, again, if uh, the, the cell phone activity shows that the cell phone stopped at a location, let's say there's a Walmart, they'll go into that Walmart. They'll look for video sale, surveillance cameras to see 
or what their movements were, what they purchased uh, in that Walmart. I'm just using that as a scenario. I don't know if they went into a Walmart, just trying to give an example. So all of those things, when they get that, that cell phone information, that's going to be very, very important because that's going to show every movement that they made during this uh, 10 days that they were on the lam. Uh, maybe there was more than one cell phone. Uh, who knows? Uh, but again, as you, conduct your investigation. You go into locations like the hotel room where they were staying. You're going to uncover information. You're going to, maybe there's going to be receipts from stores, receipts from food. Uh, they order from Chick-fil-A. They're going to want to go to that Chick-fil-A to see if they picked it up, see if there's video. So uh, just giving an example on that. So again, there's a lot of work to be done. Like Billy said, uh, they're going to be on top of this. Uh, they'll probably work along with the FBI since this was interstate, maybe the local police as well. And uh, over time, uh, within a couple of weeks from now, we'll have the cause of death, the manner of death. We'll have all of these loose ends that are uh, hanging around, tied up, and uh, we'll have a better picture on it, I'm sure. Whether or not everything is going to be released to the public, I think it probably will be. There really is no reason not to, although they were very tight-lipped on most of the uh, most of the time that this investigation was going on. They weren't uh, very forthcoming with a lot of information they hold held things very close to the vest, which was the way that they decided to do it. Uh, sometimes with interagencies, uh, you know, the marshals might've said, Hey, we're going to run this and we're going to control what media is, uh, what is put out to the media. So again, um, I think there'll be uh, uh, press conferences going forward with uh, an indication of what their movements were, because it's not going to be that hard to figure it out. And it sounded like he did make statements when he was apprehended. So again, uh, whether or not he's truthful, he's going to say we went here. They're going to look into that. They're going to, you know, try and pieces. You know, we went here, we went there, we bought this, we bought that. They'll follow that up and and see if it's actually true. Uh, whether he's being truthful or not, and uh, whether he's not, I don't know. Uh, but uh, I'm sure that we're going to find out. Julia for justice. Thank you so much. She was she's from Canada. She gives all the kudos to police off the cuff. Thank you so much for following us and for listening. Uh, Butterfly Dana. Vicky should have sent her mother flowers for Mother's Day, but I doubt if she did. I doubt it too. That would have been, they would have been able to track her through doing that. Um, so, folks, there, you, there it is. You know, we covered a lot this case. I know it was covered a lot by Duty Run. There's been a lot of information out here. Uh, we do the best we can here with the information that we have in a in the most timely fashion we can uh, we can do so. And um, Phil, final words. Final words. Uh, it's an unfortunate situation that Vicki White lost her life in the end of this saga. Uh, I'm glad it's over, that no one else was injured. Uh, investigators, kudos to the officer that spotted the car in the uh, in the parking lot of the hotel. Kudos to the owner of the car wash or the manager, whatever he was, that uh, made the call and gave me information on the car. And big kudos to the marshals that they terminated the pursuit when they did. Uh, they threw them for a loop. They may have been ready to shoot it out, but I think when the car crashed and flipped, uh, they may have been uh, disoriented for that couple of quick seconds that uh, they were able to get the jump on them. She may have shot herself, but he was still, uh, you know, he's armed and dangerous, obviously. But I think that uh, it all turned out the best. It could have been better if she had not shot herself. But uh, again, uh, just happy that no innocent lives were taken in this mess and no, glad that no innocent people or law enforcement were injured. Wow. You didn't even take a breath saying all of that stuff. That was pretty amazing. <laughs> my my <laughs> voice isn't worn out like yours. You did a lot yeah. of... 
out of talking in the last couple of days. Folks, thank you so much for listening. And uh, if we get any new information on this, we'll come back on the air tomorrow or the next day. Uh, thank you for supporting Police Off the Cuff Real Crime Stories. Have a great night. Stay safe, everyone. One episode, just ain't enough.